Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 157. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and I thank you for tuning in today. The World Cup continues amidst the holiday season this year, which has been nothing but excitement and just nonstop action. If you've been listening to any of the most recent episodes, you know that I've been following very closely, as I do every World Cup, but this time especially because Canada qualified for the first time in my lifetime. Obviously, if you've been paying attention as well, Canada didn't do as well as we had hoped, but It was always going to be a huge challenge with the group they were in. And like I said from the very beginning, I am proud no matter what of the journey to get there. The progress that this group of players and coaching have made for soccer in this country is phenomenal. And just being at the world stage and the potential that we show for the future is priceless. It was obviously frustrating and to watch, you know, especially feeling like if had we been in another group, uh, we could have showcased our abilities a lot better. But hey, that's World Cup, you know, that's the luck of the draw. And no matter what, you've got to face these teams at some point. So we'll keep our chin up for 2026, taking nothing away at all from the boys. They showed fantastic heart. And like I said, the journey just to get there was incredible. So just want to wish them a safe journey home and come and watch, uh, watch the rest of the tournament with the rest of us. Now, probably some of you are thinking, you know, my fiance probably included, uh, that you can't wait for the World Cup to be over, so I'll stop talking about it. Especially since we have some killer episodes coming up, including today's episode, which features an up-and-coming Toronto band that have just been just been crushing it lately. It's a band called Cleopatric. They're actually from a town called Coburg, outside of Toronto. And they have been making grungy, bluesy basement rock that is so rare today and so I'm so excited to have them on the podcast and share it with you today. Cleopatric is made up of just two guys, Luke Grunts and Ian Fraser, who came and met me here at the Bird's Nest aka the kitchen in my Toronto condo and the most interesting I found actually at first was they were not at all how I might have expected them to be. Just going off the you know the type of music they make, the vibes it gives off that don't give a shit type of punk. I just expected, you know, a couple of punk kids from the suburbs that, you know, didn't give two Fs about anything. For some reason, that's what I expected, which is cool. But they were actually very soft-spoken, very polite, super polite uh, young dudes. It was actually a real pleasure having them here. It was a much more, I guess, almost like civilized conversation than I ever expected. And so thank you to, to Luke and Ian for, for being such great guests. I would have them over any time. In fact, if they're listening back to this, feel free to come to the Harrison Christmas party uh, in a couple weekends from now. But for now, we're going to introduce them to all of you. And we're going to start by doing the Adamantium Recommend segment. So maybe if you are new to Cleopatra's music, I'm going to give you five song recommendations that you could check out before or after the interview. So usually I like to kick this off with something new and Cleopatra released a brand new EP called Doom in October. And so from that EP, I'm going to recommend the song Scaring Me. And then from their debut album titled Bummer that came out last year, I'm going to recommend the song Family Van and the song Good Grief. And then going back to their debut EP from 2018, it's called The Boys. 
and I recommend the song Hometown and the song Youth. And that's it. Now, if you're a Cleopatric fan who's tuning in to hear the boys shed some light today, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, we've got plenty of other amazing bands that have been on this podcast. We'd love for you to tune tune back in some time or go through the archives. So please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. You can also find the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. But you can find us just by searching the Adamantium podcast. So let's waste not any more time and get right into today's episode, which is episode 157, featuring Luke and Ian of the band Cleopatric. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Be safe. Enjoy all the World Cup you desire as you get into the holiday spirit. I know I will. And we will see you back here again real soon. We're here with uh, Cleopatric, right here in, uh, like you said, we call it the bird's nest now, thanks, yeah. <laughs> thanks to Eric Shankman of the, the Spin Doctors. Like that. <laughs> 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 Except here, it's more like the sound of drills and, uh, you know, steamrollers and cranes and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a steampunk bird's nest. Yeah, <laughs> one day we might views. have a decent view again, or into someone else's condo. <laughs> yeah, I'll have people too. But, uh, yeah, anyways, guys, thanks for coming here and, and doing this. Um, I've been really, really enjoying your guys' music in the last couple of years. Um, so thank you for, for making it, and congratulations on the new EP. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so let's, um, let's talk a little bit about that first. So you have uh, a new EP out. It's called Doom. Um, it came out just in October. So tell me a little bit. I mean, you guys just released your first debut album just last year and then you were touring tell me a little bit what the process was like or or yeah from making your first album to making this ep just mm-hmm. less than a year later dude it was so weird <laughs> it, was, it was like like if you trace the genesis of this band making music it's like our first ep we made kind of it felt like we were in a vacuum like there was almost no chance of anyone hearing it it felt right so that was like a weird experience in and of itself we recorded it in like literally a a day Mm -hmm. um and it was just like a a whirlwind kind of almost like a throwaway experience we couldn't really even take note of it yeah and then our second ep it was like we got to do kind of i guess what we expected recording would be like right like spending some time with the songs doing a little extra production and like really like i think we were in a studio for maybe maybe a week or just mm-hmm. over a week for that one maybe 10 days or something yeah um and then we made our album which we made through covid which was so crazy it was like the full other end of the spectrum where we spent like we could have spent however much time we wanted on right it. Like we were really just at one point locked in a windowless basement just right playing with the songs all day changing things messing around with the production and was that better or, or like it was i i guess i don't know yeah, it's hard because sometimes you know the piece of art when you touch it too much you yeah know, like a painting and you're like oh this doesn't look quite right and you end up keep yeah. working on it and then you're like wait it was better the way it was or did it ever get to that feeling or was the extra time good for you guys i think it was good in the moment like i don't know if I feel like we could look back at some point in retrospect and like think that maybe it was like 
there was a, I don't know, actually, nah, I don't think it was too much. It was, I think there was a lot of self-exploration too that mm -hmm. was involved with that process. And just like learning to be confident in ourselves as musicians. Like, I don't know, it, we, it was like, that was the, that felt like the real one where, I mean, when it was the boys EP, that kind of felt like the real one, but it, uh, I think that time just really allowed us to soak it in in a way that we hadn't been allowed to before, like right. based on circumstance or just how we were doing it and mm -hmm. also just understanding what the process of recording was like. Yeah. So I think it was all, all good. Like maybe there were a couple times we could, probably should have gone outside for a bit longer, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I um, think, I feel like we went into Bummer like knowing or not even knowing, just being completely okay with, the f it's like our first album and it's going to sound however it's going to sound like, right okay. like we, we were really I think we had come to terms with the fact that it was, like, it was just going to be a moment in time mm -hmm. well I think also you're probably not necessarily worrying as much of like how are people going to receive this now that you kind of had a, a fan base like people reacted to the boys yeah a little stuff, bit you know yeah. what I mean like there's probably a little bit less pressure yeah well I think we knew that we were taking some chances on it too or like okay. kind of doubling down on things that we loved yeah which was a little scary like we knew that it wasn't going to be for everyone right but that was also really exciting to us yeah um, so then for Doom like were these songs written and like because that, that album only came out last year and mm -hmm. then you guys were on tour I think until like March or April or something like that yeah and then were these like were these songs just written and recorded in that time like since then or that, yeah so that's what the like long winded like band history stories supposed to kind of culminate in is like for Doom it was so weird because in all those other circumstances we kind of like set aside time or like didn't really have mm -hmm. a lot of other stuff going on when we made the music yeah and then with Doom, it was like, there was everything else going on. We were trying yeah. to make up for all this lost time. During COVID. During COVID, we yeah. were on the road, like, nonstop. Some of the songs were from, like, kind of bummer era, like, ideas that didn't quite get, Right, like, okay. The they weren't finished check. or something. Yeah. Um, and then other ideas that were, like, coming up. Not not ever really, like, on the road. We, we honestly didn't have almost any time or like energy to to really like write mm -hmm. or space to write on the road it was right we're just not at that level where we even can afford like a, an extra day off like right. we're, we're just we're in the grind phase right now but of course but uh in between tours like we'd have two weeks off here a week off there mm -hmm. and that's when like these little ideas would kind of come up okay um and then at some point we set this goal we were like let's make an ep that we put out kind of like yeah. going into the end of this year. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember when we came up with that. Like, no, I've been kind of actually thinking about that lately. I was like, when did we decide to do yeah. this? Yeah. It just kind of like grew out of somewhere. Okay. I don't know. And where do you guys, where do you guys record? Um, yeah, so we did all those recordings at a studio called Orange Lounge okay. on Queen Street okay. here, here in Toronto, um, which is also where we did Bummer. Okay. And then where was, so that would be separate from the boys. Mm -hmm. Where did you guys do the boys? Boys was in like the East End, but also in Toronto. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. What was that area? It's like uh, almost it's almost Scarborough esque. Yeah. Okay. It's like towards the beaches. It's kind of like near where history mm -hmm. is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did it with our buddy Anton. Gotcha. Um, um, you said Luke. I saw on a Instagram post that you posted that that this EP and specifically the song "Scaring Me" is one of the favorite. Is you one of the 
your favorite things you've ever made. Mm -hmm. So tell me why specifically that that song and, and this collection of songs is so special to you. I think uh, it's funny, like, we were sort of reflecting this on this in, like, another talk the other day where it's, like, there was a lot of momentum, like, like personal, like, artistic momentum that felt like it happened during COVID. Mm -hmm. And that kind of went into the bummer thing, like... It, it really felt like we were taking big steps forward and it mm -hmm. felt it felt really good like in a weird way all yeah. that like terrifying time alone. so you guys felt inspired during the pandemic yeah and kind of a after a little bit you know, okay I was just, I, well i've heard both literally <laughs> yeah. complete opposite spectrums from people i think like timeline timeline wise in our lives like that was the moment to like kind of have this growth mm -hmm. yeah and it just so it wasn't really like i don't know if it was parallel with the pandemic yeah but it was, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it uh, sort of seemed to happen at that moment uh, mm -hmm. to add to what you're saying. Yeah, because I've heard from like from some people saying, yeah, I, you know, I got inspired because I had all this time that I didn't have before and I could just be creative. And then I had other people who were like, well, I was stuck inside and I just didn't yeah. feel motivated, you know, like yeah, whatever, we, you know? So we had a it's really interesting. To, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that's it and everything in between, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, then, but then so the reason like Doom was so gratifying was because like what we realized then after the pandemic like touring so hard was like all the all the work that we did in covid wasn't as complete as we thought mm -hmm. like we felt like we we'd really figured ourselves out in a way like really okay. grown grown a lot and then we were on the road for this extended length of time and like these things started to come up like emotional just i don't even know like all that like really personal like psychological stuff mm -hmm. of like going from nothing to everything yeah uh, it was just uh it was like the other half of the journey that i don't think we really realized was even yeah because on the way you guys like kind of really hit a stride just before the pandemic yeah and then yeah. i guess like lucky enough you're able to pick that up uh -huh. after things open because then you guys were doing hitting festivals and everything so yeah was it kind of in, and i've spoken to a lot of bands about this like who who had like a breakout year in 2019 or started mm -hmm. 2020 and then it was like what do we do now um but it looks like you guys found kind of like the perfect you were able to work on new material get it out there and yeah. then kind of continue that stride when things opened up again yeah i think i, I don't know <laughs> yeah right it's happened whatever happened happened right yeah. it, it, it's yeah. a weird it's a weird thing to just kind of based on how like it was uh, when it comes to like the touring and stuff like I feel like that was very repre representative of like um, the after um, the aftermath of, of yeah. what had happened and it was like we played some great shows we toured a lot but I think ultimately there were some moments where we like went a bit too far and it was just like I don't know if we were necessarily ready to be just road 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 right and, uh, we, we you guys, did it. I, when i was looking i think i found a post of the you guys were on the road for like six months almost it was like pretty much we played like yeah. 90 shows yeah. within the year which may not sound that crazy out of 365 but it's pretty yeah it's pretty nuts like especially the way it was spaced out too it was yeah. like we'd have like maybe three weeks off or maybe a month i can't really remember the timeline exactly now but uh I don't know, and to Luke's point, I think that sort of, these real life experiences were sort of reflective of where we were at within the music too. And we were, mm -hmm. I don't know, it was it was a interesting thing to navigate, but at the same time it was 
also something really awesome to hold on to and like to mm-hmm. put ourselves into like there was so much that was done like not writing wise but like mixing wise and producing mm-hmm. like pretty much exclusively was done in the back of the van like <laughs> like uh the dude who mixed up the record john wayne he's amazing like we would he would stream his uh, mix and we would be sending notes right. live from the back of the van and that was like a huge I don't know it was just like it was it felt very fitting yeah. to almost have it be crammed in mm-hmm. and although maybe it was another thing to be on the plate it kind of I don't know it, I feel like it was a good thing for us um, mm-hmm. but yeah it was kind of a crazy process <laughs> no kidding yeah and uh-huh. it, was, it was gratifying because of that mm. yeah like like it it kind of was like the the like psychological bow on top of everything we right. realized like in those songs in that track scaring me that's like the newest song yeah. out of all those that was like i just realized like whoa we grew way more than i thought okay we did with even bummer like and and the hard part of our year all the touring and stuff like that's that's where stuff really changed and mm-hmm. yeah. I think that just reflecting on all of that is why like this this EP and that song and just kind of where we're at now I'm, I feel so proud of right because I'm, like I'm really s- excited for what's going to come it, next yeah. it really does feel like a bridging of the gap like scaring me this EP has felt like a step for us but that song particularly in my eyes is the step like that right. is like so the, you guys can almost, it's like you can almost see like tangible growth Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and like uh, like Luke said earlier, like some of these songs are sort of, or maybe you didn't even say that, and I'm just th- I'm just projecting something that I was thinking while you were saying. <laughs> it's okay. The, or the beginning half of the EP is like more bummer era Cleopatra and songs like 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 Okay was like it was very close to being a song on Bummer. Um, okay. And so like even like the order of the EP, it's like. From Zuck into OK, it's like it kind of is a little piece of that growth. Yeah. And scaring me kind of is the perhaps the climax of that. And and Doom is perhaps the ellipses. I've already said that, but uh, into server speak. I said server speak was the ellipses before, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't exactly even know where I'm going with this at this point, but uh, yeah. It's, well, it's poetic. Yeah, so it is. The, the EP turned out way more artful than we even meant. Like, okay. Not to toot our own horns. No, but yeah. So, but it, it just feels it's it's all very fitting and like a lot of it wasn't even that intentional. Like, it's just which is kind of the best. Yeah. Yeah. You, just, <laughs> yeah. you just gotta smirk at it. Yeah, it opens with this. You mentioned just now. It opens with this song called Zuck, which I found really intriguing. It kind of to me what I got out about it is the kind of the complications that social media has in our our lives. Um, tell me what was kind of inspiring you guys to make this song when mm. you wrote it yeah well I spent a lot of time on my phone the first bit of COVID when just like all that stuff was happening on the internet like it was just such a intense like yeah weirdly tangible but not even physically real as yeah. far as like our perspective just sitting in our houses in Coburg like it was just insane one of the most insane things I've ever experienced was like using my phone through COVID, like my only connection to the outside world. Right. But also it was so poisonous at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I just 
it just like lyrically there was just some comedy or like yeah it's it's sad but it's kind of funny and like I don't know I've, I've found inspiration in all that and it's just kind of what was coming out as we started to write new stuff um not even saying that it's like bad or anything. like the EP right. doesn't really specifically say that anything's bad right because that would that would be corny to me if I was if I was like on all these songs saying how bad the internet is because that's not true. No, I mean the internet's probably a big part of the reason why your music got out. Yeah, exactly. Because one of the biggest internet fans I know. Yeah, yeah. I love the internet. YouTube.com. Yeah, but <laughs> it's just like best. anything, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? So, yeah. yeah, and I feel like that's that's what the the EP. I mean, it's not exactly aptly titled in that sense, but, right? But that's just what it's supposed to be. It's not. It's not saying anything is anything it's just mm-hmm. kind of pointing it's almost the like the point stuff. of the complications that it, it kind of puts on, on mm-hmm. life and yeah yeah like it's even in that chorus the chorus line is about the instagram stories and like you know yeah. keeping continuity and stuff like that and it just like adds a layer to your life that you never probably even thought you would ever have <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah but um yeah it just really intrigued me Thanks. um tell me a little bit too about the, the artwork for the album yeah. Who who made the artwork and and tell me a little bit about the symbolism behind it. Mm-hmm. It was made by our, our friend Hadar Barak. Okay. Um, who also did the bummer art. Okay. Um, yeah, the art the art came together slowly. Mm. Just kind of like, for some reason, we were compelled to like step outside the normal Clio branding. Okay. Which was exciting to us, and I think maybe it's just because we knew in some in some sense that like we wanted to make something a little bit just different more like exciting for us um we don't want to mail it in Mm -hmm. even though our schedule at the time kind of suggested we should it just (laughs) just felt like yeah we wanted to do something different um and the the inspiration for the art i don't know it came together in so many little pieces Uh, i don't i don't even know like i don't remember it really coming to be I remember seeing a, a rainbow at one point on tour yeah. while thinking about the art and listening to the mixes and like looking out the window and there was like this big rainbow and I was just thinking like that's so crazy that you know the same I'm, I'm also like I've gotten a lot into like physics and like complete nerd shit okay through COVID and, and there's a bit of that in the EP too so like it just got it got the nerd stuff kind of pumping in my brain just thinking yeah. about rainbows and the electromagnetic field and all this just like things that are big concepts but also really like our entire world operates on on the same Mm -hmm. the same field that puts a rainbow in the sky is is what I use to send a text message and that is cool and it felt like this like the EP was supposed to be sort of a commentary on like flesh versus technology mm-hmm. in a really really like gentle way like, yeah <laughs> not, not like we're scholars or anything yeah. like, i really want to emphasize that it's not it's not that serious but there's just these little mostly jokes about it mm-hmm. and and it seemed like you know the beauty of a rainbow is so classic right and then uh the eps it's a lot about the phone so it just right. i don't know some some puzzle pieces started to fit together and we basically just slowly chiseled away at this this artwork changing little things like maybe the first time ever we've worked on something visual without having a very clear idea of where we wanted it to go to end up yeah yeah and it just slowly developed like with every revision we'd kind of come up with a new idea and right 
implement that and sometimes it would suck sometimes it'd be cool you're right now i mean now that i think of it it is so different from the rest of your branding Mm -hmm. that that has been previous at all it usually seems to be like kind of home home video style Mm -hmm. style stuff and then this is like complete different direction illustration you know even you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even know if it was good or not like i i liked it but i just remember one time we were in the airport like getting ready for some flight it was like early in the morning and we were looking at it Ian and I both had it up on our phones we were looking at it and our tour manager buddy Jake like saw it over our shoulders and he was like you guys are still working on that eh? (laughs) he'd seen it a couple times we were like yeah months later yeah Yeah, (laughs) yeah. and he was like it looks awesome yeah and I think in that moment I was like cool yeah yeah Okay, so Jake didn't think that it's that weird. So. Yeah, Jake helped with the with the single art too for OK. There was a couple options. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Was like, Which one? He was like, that one. It's cool. Yeah. 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 Sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you've been we staring at something too long or too many yeah. times, they start to all like blend together. Yeah, right? exactly. to executive artistic director. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. What about being, you know, would you say that being from being a Toronto band or, you know, a GTA band anyways... Do you think that's a big part of Cleopatra's identity and and what you guys kind of stand for? I mean, I I noticed that even in, and maybe that's just coincidence, but I I noticed in quite a few of the titles there's there's references to things like Victoria Park and mm-hmm. the Drake and even just hometown. You know, mm-hmm. um, is that part of your? Do you would you guys say that's a part of your identity as a band or mm. not something you've really thought about even? Mm. No, well, I mean, as far as being a Toronto band, I don't know if we'll, we've ever really felt like a Toronto band, truthfully. Like, Victoria Park's actually a reference to a Victoria Park that's in Colbert, which is... Okay. Um, where we're Not the one in Scarborough. No, but okay. it, it's it's cool that people can think that. It's like a nice... Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a nice... Uh, I mean, it, it can be a bit of that, too, yeah. if someone yeah. wants. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's... um. Maybe it is a part of the identity, but not like in the traditional way, because there's always been in our eyes a very obvious Toronto scene. Okay. Although it's always been a little bit like of a a mystery. Like, I don't know, it's maybe someone else would tell us we're a Toronto band, but I I don't know if we've ever really felt like a Toronto Mm -hmm. band. And that's like... We've always like used that as our edge, like kind of feeling like outsiders and not being a part of the whatever scene that is um, it just in general, like even being just being musicians from where we're from was like kind of a weird thing, like right. coming out of high school and not going to college right away and just being like, hey, we kind of want to try this music thing. Um, so... I mean, as far as being a Toronto band, like, uh, maybe the fact that it's it's a bit of an ambiguous thing, like, maybe that's allowed us to feel like we're outsiders when maybe we're really not mm-hmm. outsiders. Um, it's maybe one of those things that when, when I mean, like, because I, I don't know, I grew up here right in the thick of Toronto, mm-hmm. but being from a small town an hour away or whatever, maybe Toronto felt like this big thing that for sure you're not a part of but then when you're on the opposite side of the world toronto seems very probably very close well yeah like and it's it feels like don't get me wrong it feels like home like if i'm here i like i I really love this city Mm -hmm. 
I know Luke does too. And like, we play. We were fortunate enough to be able to sell enough tickets here to play the Danforth <laughs> Music Hall, mm-hmm. uh, which is <laughs> under, massive. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> get it out, get it out. <laughs> Thanks. We didn't play at the Danforth Music Hall. Either. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh god. Which that has always felt like a very Toronto venue yeah. to us, and in early days of this band we saw pop at the Danforth Music Hall yeah. and that was like a transformative experience mm-hmm. and like um, it was just like a huge thing to see like that culture but I don't know if like and that and that's a band that's always felt like a Toronto like the, the yeah. Toronto band the but like yeah. it um, I, my memory from that show doesn't feel like this idea that I had of like the Toronto music scene mm-hmm. like the Toronto music scene feels like this kind of dingy, like mysterious thing where there's some asshole promoter who stole 20 bucks from your, your dad or something. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't know, maybe that just has to do with the perception. Like, uh, I don't know. And like, I remember being at that pub show and like feeling like this, it was something and I wasn't like, this is Toronto, but like, I don't know. There, there's something to be said about that. So, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know if it's given us an edge, but it, there's definitely a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Something we've definitely put a lot of thought into and at, at this point really um, are grateful for yeah. the support in this city. And so, yeah. You, you mentioned a band like Pop and, yeah, you know, there's always been, you know, like a, a punk, a punk and kind of like that garage rock scene. But to me, it feels like in the last year or two, there's kind of been a surge or a demand for, you know, like punk rock bands like mm. like Cleopatra, like Pup, like Idols, like uh, Turnstile. Do you think that there is, do you feel that there's currently like a, a thirst for, for this kind of music? Like something that we haven't maybe had in a while? I think, uh, I think it's all cyclical. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, the way music works. Yeah. Um, but I definitely see. I think guitars are are becoming cool again. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a lot of guitars infiltrating different genres in general now, mm-hmm. and like <clears throat> distortion and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, hip hop's been doing distortion for a while, but it's getting more intense. And mm-hmm. They're starting to use. There's like this lust for like analog gear which is like a very guitar thing well most most guitar thing mm-hmm. for, for most guitars they like the analog thing but but uh i just think i think that the lines are just being blurred a bit more which okay. which creates just like this nice crossover where mm-hmm. people thanks to how accessible everything is and also like how kind of intermingled the different types of music are now via the web Mm-hmm. Um, people, people, uh, your tastes are like way less specific. I feel right, like, yeah. Which is cool. Like, there's there's kids that might come to our show and like we're the only guitar band they listen to, mm-hmm. or, I mean, this has happened a couple times where like there's like a kid that likes our band and then they bring their friend who's like does not listen to guitar music at all. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like I I see parallels between this and that. Or right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's I like there's it. it's almost like there's more room for context mm-hmm. at yeah. this moment in time. Like different content like rather than just 
this is band plays guitars and has solos and mm-hmm. etc it's like oh this band like this band is specifically like groove groove based like that's almost just like an 808 like they're, right. what they're doing is like so locked into the point where it's like how is this not hip-hop i can't name an example i'm not talking about us but yeah um i mean there's we we personally try to have tried to blur those lines without trying to bend any sort of genre at all we're not genre bending but it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's something no, but that even, you can even tell like in in your guys lyrics you have like you know in a, in a classic punk or rock song it's kind of like a few lines and then a chorus you know mm-hmm. and to me it's like whereas something like hip-hop was kind of like more extenuated drawn out lyrics like yeah. longer lines and stuff and that's kind of what you guys use i find you know like you guys have long verses mm-hmm. um storytelling verses and stuff which isn't like necessarily traditional rock and roll song Mm -hmm. and um that almost has more of a hip-hop element to it than me but then it's mixed with like really like 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 distortion guitars which is a classic punk you know yeah yeah there's something very exciting so that in a way that is genre bending but yeah but like don't call it genre no right (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah no but it's like it's less about like trying to merge things but it's just like trying to replicate a feeling or like right uh, get a point across that hasn't necessarily been like fully executed with say a guitar or Mm -hmm. a stand-up bass or whatever i don't know it's just like yeah it feels like there's a lot more opportunity for people to see that stuff and be like oh that can be that it's it's cool Mm -hmm. it is cool a lot of uh a lot of your videos um, have footage of, I guess, like, original kind of live shows that you guys are doing. Um, things like in people's basements and, and mm-hmm. in the middle of their houses and stuff. Tell me about what those shows in those days were like for you guys. Yeah, like, always the the best feeling. Yeah? It's like, uh, yeah, I think I think that's kind of always a feeling we're, we're sort of chasing after. Like, we want to make our club shows feel like that. Like, like, that, like everyone yeah. knows each other. There's no, there's no expectations, like, what you're supposed to be doing here other than just, like, feeling the music and, and I don't know, enjoying your night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, like, we, we still mix in a good amount of those, like, small shows. We haven't done a basement in a while, but I'd absolutely love to. It's like, a good it's, time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a different thing, and I think that... I think that uh, playing guitars and drums and stuff in settings like that is really special. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it just kind of like, uh, I think people come into it with a different mindset. Like, yeah. Cause when you, when you're on like a normal stage and you got all these lights on you and maybe there's a drum riser or like, it, you kind of like start to touch on this larger than life thing, which mm-hmm. is really not dramatic, our vibe. Yeah. yeah like yeah. we're, we're really not into the drama. Okay. Which is a funny thing to navigate, like, because obviously we're, as our shows get bigger, there's there's more lights at the shows. And right, There's, there's more people in bigger stages. And it's like, we, we're we still trying to find a way to do that, but feel like we're connecting with everyone. Right. And part of the connection is people knowing that you're just a, a guy that happens to be holding the guitar at the moment. Right. Like, so, I don't know. I like I like when it's it feels like an even, like everyone's on the same level. And right. The basement show is really that. It feels yeah. like... When we set down our instruments, someone could go up and, and do the same thing we did. Right. And everyone will enjoy it just as much. Gotcha. So then did it, like, when you guys 
hit stages like Lollapalooza and the Reading Festival, like now massive. And this is like probably, you know, a good percentage of people are seeing you for the first time, you know. Did that take some adaption? You know, like did that obviously a very different energy than you're used to coming from Coburg. Yeah. You know? For sure. I mean mixed with it just being exciting. Like the the funny thing between those like comparing those two, like Lollapalooza was the first festival like we played really ever um to that like degree um and so that was like just kind of an amazing experience to like learn about that but it was very different Mm -hmm. it was also during the day it was also early early early, right so it's like one it's hard to compare it to that but we've played other festivals since that have sort of felt more teetered more on this grandiose kind of yeah lights and Mm -hmm. whatnot scheme but uh we sort of have the proof that there is a crossover to be attained there. Like Reading, for example, uh, Reading and Leeds, both of them. Yeah. Um, though, 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 those shows were like some of the most representative of like this band and like that energy. And okay. like, like it was just like, that's a, that's a big thing for us in the, in the UK in general. Um, and certain parts of Europe that we've been able to play. Um, where it just like, there's just a sort of more of a connection to that thing that is is present. Not that it's not in other places, mm-hmm. but like when we played Reading, it was like it just really had that feeling. Like everybody knew each other, and it was just like they were they knew why they were there. Yeah. And it was like it was like very mutual for us and them, and it was um, very inspiring to see. Like so, yes, it it has taken some like. Um, development and mm-hmm. but there's like we we've seen the other side of it and seen that yeah there is a point where it can have that same feeling right. mm-hmm. well I, I mean i've heard quotes that like the energy the crowd gives you directly reflects sure, the energy yeah. you have on stage so i mean playing something like like a basement show where you can literally probably see every single person that's mm-hmm. there compared to you know maybe not at a festival because there is daylight or whatever but in a club or wherever where it's hard to see past the lights is that does that take some kind of like is it harder or or does it take something else to try and build that energy without being able to exactly see the people that are that are watching you yeah it's i mean yeah it it's like the live energy thing is probably one of the most magical parts about music that's why everyone likes it for sure it's like you're going to go to a place where people are going to play sounds in an order where you know what to expect. Right. There's like a clear counting happening in the back of your head yes. and everyone else there is doing it too. Mm-hmm. And you can all just kind of be on the same page and let your guard down. Some like, room for pleasant surprise, yeah. but not too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's this amazing, like very primal thing. Of course. If it was just about listening to the music, you could just do it at home. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> So I think... Uh, in in it being so like fundamental, it's also feels very out of our hands in, mm-hmm. in some way. Like you know, you can feel it in the moment if the energy's off or if you're somehow right. in control of it. Um, but we haven't been able to figure out yeah perfectly. Like we have our little tactics, sort of. I was gonna say, what do you do if you aren't sure or you feel energy dwindling or whatever? What do you? That's so. It's just like intuition and sometimes you're flowing and it all just happens right and then others you just don't feel like you ever really 
mm. had had the crowd in your hands. Yeah. Which is okay too. I mean, it's all the the chaos of it is what makes it attractive. Yeah. I think, to us. I mean, it's the same thing. You talk to a comedian and they can have the exact same set two nights yeah. in a row and one day feel like yeah. everybody loved it and was was laughing along with you, and then the other days it's like crickets. Yeah. It's the exact same show. You know. Yeah. It's like. But I think that's just a part of live performance in yeah, general. Totally. Yeah, totally. And there's so much that goes into it too, and mm-hmm. it's just like where you are. Everything. Yeah, like, it's 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 really hard to uh, to tap into exactly what shifts. But, right. Uh, what were some of your favorite spots when you guys were on tour? <sighs> there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of them. I think. I mean, we always love the UK. Mm-hmm. We got really young crowds there that are just like. I feel like the UK crowds too, in general, just like they they like to participate. Yeah, there's a cool yeah. cultural thing there where they're mm-hmm. like really crazy, but in gen- in general very respectful too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it's just cool. It's that thing like the, mm-hmm. when you're when we play a show in the UK, there's just this different kind of like frequency happening in the room mm-hmm. where it's like like I swear you ever see those those guys on YouTube that do like. Google Maps drops you into a random place and then they guess where on the map they yes. are yeah. like within like a couple minutes. It's like I'd, I'm pretty well convinced that if we were just suddenly teleported into a show in London and we were just playing the set and like we didn't we couldn't hear the accents or anything there was no definable features on the wall but like we would know that we're in London. Mm-hmm. Really? You could like feel that yeah. in the room. And the same goes for Chicago or okay. Toronto like yeah. Like I, I think that they each have their own kind of like for sure, like monotone hum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the whole night's experience. That yeah, is and just it's undeniable. It's not even just between us too. Like it'll whoever's there, whether you know Jake, our tour manager, or mm-hmm. like other friends who are there. It's just like it's apparent, mm-hmm. and there's like it, it feels like yeah, it's just apparent. It's mm-hmm. it's very it's fascinating. Honestly, it's it's really cool. Why did it make sense for you guys to um, start your own record label rather than join an established one? I think, like, pretty much the main reason was that we felt too young to be making a decision that would last, like, 15 to... Gotcha. So it's, like, contract, yeah. Yeah, like, it was just... But then at that age, too, how do you know... How did you know how to navigate starting your own record label? Yeah, we, we had a lot of help, which okay. is something that we're always going to be grateful for. Like we, we at that point like had like a team around us with managers and agents and gotcha. Um, they brought to us like different options basically, and there's many different ways you can start your own record label. And the mm-hmm. way we did it was to kind of like plug our ideas into the infrastructure of like another company. Okay. And so like our our label is kind of staffed by people that do this for a living gotcha. and okay. work at a separate company and also work at other artists labels gotcha um, yeah and it just it just made sense for us because we wanted to own our music mm-hmm. we wanted to not be told what to do yeah even though sometimes that's a really great thing we just felt like we kind of knew what we wanted to do for the moment right. and it didn't make sense to like get someone else's opinion for the time mm-hmm. being um, and yeah, we just we didn't want to be like in debt or stuck in a deal. 
with anyone. We just didn't yeah. feel like we were intelligent enough or ready enough emotionally or physically, mm-hmm. artistically to make a decision like that. Gotcha. It, it was just too I much. I mean, they also, like, there's pressures from labels to you need, like, an album by this date mm-hmm. or whatever. And like you said, like, for a bummer, one of the benefits was you got to take your time during the pandemic to put it together. Yeah. Um, which, again, maybe, like, to, depending on who you are, deadlines are, can be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I was just speaking to... Justin from Broken Love mm-hmm. and he was telling me that his basically the label made him make an album yeah. and he made it and put it out in two weeks like that's crazy which is insane yeah. Yeah, like absolutely insane you know, did, so. did he, was he stoked about that? Um, I mean it turned out good yeah so well, maybe sure. maybe, he's maybe, maybe he works talented. well he's, he actually did tell me too that he's like I always worked best under pressure crazy and so but he was like yeah, literally in a matter of weeks like made this album holy and so, you know, but that, I mean, it seems crazy to like, you know, if you're a record label, don't you want like the best work out of your clients and maybe no. putting them under that kind of pressure doesn't, but like, I don't know, or do you just need to put something out there so you can make money right away? I don't know. Uh, That's the thing too. Uh, They're yeah. all so different. Yeah, and for didn't, sure. Didn't feel like we could get a feel, like we met people at labels and there was all these offers, but even the people we felt like we knew, it was just like, I don't know, I don't know, man, like in, in a couple uh, months, are you going to really be my friend? The genu- or, yeah, the genuinity yeah. of it, yeah. How yeah. old were you guys when you, when you guys put out The Boys? Maybe, uh, 19? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's when you're like, <laughs> peak immaturity too, so how can you make a massive decision? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it was like for the longest time, it was just these faces too. Yeah. Like just people like meeting people. For sure. And, like and then when you're 19 years old, that's like crazy to. And yeah. just it, saying these un- incomprehensible things, just like. Yeah. Just what are you even. Like business mismatch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. so many dorks too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah so of course. Just, aren't. just guys that it's like, I can't believe you're in the music industry. Like, yeah. you, you don't you're even realize the, right? the right. awesome job you could have. Right. Like, I don't know. There's just people. And that's with anything. Yeah. I know, it blows my mind to think, like, you know, uh, bands like, like the Arctic Monkeys, too, started when they were, like, 19. Yeah. And it's like, what, who are they speaking with at that age? Yeah. You know, like, to put out, uh, anyways, yeah. Um, the two of you have been friends since, I think, I read, like, four years old or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. and been making music since you were teenagers. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what type of songs were you guys writing originally? Hmm. Rock and roll yeah. tunes. Yeah. Blues. Yeah. Although there was some, there was some growth. Or, yeah, blues for sure. <laughs> there was definitely some growth in the early days too. In our, uh, we, uh, I don't know if like, I don't know if you could ever say like how much it it. Um, I don't, I don't know. It was just such a important time to just learn about music, and we we mainly played covers and just like right just, yeah. as you do studied right and. I first picked up a guitar so I could play Iron Maiden songs. There you go, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Were your parents musical at all, or...? Yeah, my dad... What was playing in the house, or, like, what...? Yeah, I feel like like both our families have great taste Mm. in music. It definitely... That helps a lot. Yeah, 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 like, we, we got to... We, we were showing a lot of great stuff and then we'd show each other great stuff mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we had a really great relationship in that sense um, yeah my dad played guitar he's a huge music fan mm-hmm. um, and then I had like a cousin and an uncle okay. that were like my cool cousin my cool uncle right. and they played guitar gotcha 
yeah, my 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 cousin's name is Vince. He showed me a couple licks. Shout my, out to Vince. My uncle showed me how to hold the guitar, guitar to look cool. Yeah. I remember him telling me like you gotta have your pinky <laughs> resting on the the pickguard a little bit and like okay. just keep it there. And he was like, that's how you do it. Like, okay. Like you don't you don't move your entire. Wrist, I always like. found it really hard. Like the people who their strumming hand is like a fist. Yeah. And yeah. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always needed these fingers loose on my strumming hand. Yeah, like flop around a bit. Like, yeah, I couldn't, I, I remember trying to because I wanted to play like, yeah. you know, and, like, <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Like, I just, like, I just felt like I didn't have control. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. it's funny. I mean, it, it's a cool instrument because you can do it in so many ways. Right. But, yeah. But yeah, that was the way I was taught. I was taught like the saucy, uh, yeah. cool guy mm-hmm. way. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ian? Did any, any... Yeah, I mean, like, like Luke said. When did you pick up the drums? Not till like later in my, in my life. Um, not until really high school. Like I, I okay, played, yeah. Luke and I started playing guitar at around the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, which I loved, but I don't know, I, I always loved the idea of the drums, and it was never really, mm-hmm. wasn't that I wasn't allowed to have drums in the house, but it just didn't really feel like a possibility for a while. Mm-hmm. And then um, like when my sister went left for college and I was, I was like uh, just about to go into high school, her boyfriend at the time let me borrow his drums so I put them in my tiny bedroom there was like a foot of space between yeah. my, these drums and I just had no idea but I just spent so much time just hitting them and observing them and yeah. like just mimicking these things that were like ideas in my head and it, I don't know it was like there was this weird like fake relationship but Luke and I we, we would jam so much and around the time I think his younger brother got uh, drums too so he gotcha. had drums in the basement yeah how'd your parents feel about having drums in the house uh uh i think after, there was hesitation at first but my mom always said she was like you know i was worried at first but you know he was actually pretty good so it wasn't too bad <laughs> right all right uh, so <laughs> he was, we, i had drums in my parents house i had drums like that that's what i play i think she could I just mean, tell that i loved it so right. she was like down yeah. you know yeah which is great i mean my my parents rule was like you play it after school before we get home. Because, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, like, sure. My, I don't know, it was, my drums shook the entire house. Yeah. Like, you heard the top floor, like, the floor and the cabinets were shaking. And yeah. I don't know if I just didn't pat them down enough or whatever, but it just shook. Like, my neighbors would say, like, we can hear him clearly playing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, we jam at my, my family's house in yeah. Coburg. It's, like, where we have, like, a little studio in the basement. We do a lot mm-hmm. of our our stuff and it totally like disrupts our entire house all yeah like, when, we're, when we're jamming like we play so loud yeah and, like, there's like no there's like a half a wall between us and the rest of the house <laughs> yeah and, but my family i never really thought about it because they're just, they're so cool about it and that is cool man like, yeah like they yeah. just let it happen always happen yeah. but like that's one really day cool. i think i don't even remember like my little brother showed me a video or something of like something that was happening upstairs the cats were running around or something yeah. and in the background there was Eden and I playing and I was like is it that loud <laughs> and they were like yeah 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 it's fine but like they're just they're just cool with it that's amazing gotta be yeah. so grateful for it yeah. that may have been at the point where there was actually no like right yeah. in, in <laughs> yeah. the current house where there was no wall at all it was straight up those stairs yeah there's like empty stairs yeah, too so it like up. amplifies it up yeah. into the rest of the house like straight into the kitchen yeah, so they really know what our set sounds like, you know, at any given yeah. time. They really know how tight we are. Amazing. Just a couple of things before we wrap up. You mentioned already the family van. 
and I wanted to ask about the family. The family band pops up in all the videos and stuff. <laughs> Tell me the life that I think I saw somewhere that it's called like Vanna Montana Vanna or Montana, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tell me the life that this van has lived. This van is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and us as a band personally. Yeah. It is it is my van, but I I pretty much just bought it to be mm-hmm. our van. Um, and it was like in the time where like again we were like neither of us had gone to school and I was just like kind of looking for an adult sort of thing to like just help me spread so it was uh, in the year 2016 I believe was when this band with this band was purchased or maybe early 27 no it's 2016 2016 yeah and uh it had 60,000 kilometers on it now it has Two hundred and ninety thousand kilometers on it. Um, it has driven us from Coburg to Peterborough to Oshawa to Peterborough to Oshawa to Peterborough to Oshawa to Peterborough to Kingston to Peterborough. Yeah, and then everywhere in the U.S. Yeah. It has yeah. driven us absolutely everywhere, and it's still alive to this day. It's still, what a legend! I drove it here. I yeah. parked somewhere. Hopefully, the I don't get a ticket. Family van is in Young and Eglinton currently. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, what else can I say? It's it's one of the most reliable vans I, I, I could ever suggest to anybody. It's, it's <laughs> what, what is it? It's a, it's a Pontiac Montana. Okay. Uh, Pontiac doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think. No, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just the best. I mean... So many memories. Oh, man, so mm-hmm. Vanna Montana works on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a hotel for us. We've slept right, in it. Bed, we've, yeah. we've driven all night in it. It's... Uh, Pulled a trailer for a majority, mm-hmm. or pretty much all the time in the U.S. is pulling a trailer behind mm-hmm. it too. Yeah, gear. yeah, it's it is durable. I recently too just um, we have a new van now, which okay. is doesn't have nearly as much character. It's awesome and uh, it's great, but uh, it's uh, really loud on the inside. Anyways, I backed into the van the other day while it was up on a on a, a jack because the tire blew. Yeah. And I backed into it and knocked it off, and it the like the wheel, the empty wheel, just fell straight on the ground, and I haven't gotten it checked up yet. Put a tire back on, and it's still good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it gets it, again. It's yeah. got a thing now, but it, it it's got an extra yeah. ring to it, but yeah. it's it's running. It's well, the best. Well, that, I mean, it's pretty cool because that'll always be a cool stamp in your guys' history, which is yeah. I want to I want to put it somewhere forever too. Right? I don't think yeah. I could ever get rid of it. It's like a yeah. It's not that I have trophy. that space, but. I, gonna try to hold on to it as long as I can um, and the last thing I wanted to ask about before we wrap up the band follows one person on Instagram oh, yeah. and that's Tom Holland yeah why why Tom Holland <laughs> and no one else and no one else <laughs> it's funny it's been so long that I almost like it's like I don't remember it was just like I knew it was funny at first right yeah because I was like I like the idea of someone finding our band and then like seeing that we just follow Tom Holland and that being like compelling to them yeah it was like honestly like marketing at first right and then we started this whole bit where it's like we wanted to like have him join the band okay and we worked at that for a little while like reached out to his pr team a couple times trying to get him to like pull up to a show but he's spider-man so he's not gonna do that and so now he doesn't even post on instagram anymore i was actually thinking of switching it up like just finding Someone new to it hasn't to always idolize. been Tom Holland. That's, that's okay. I was that's, that's worth knowing. Yeah, it's, it's, it was John Mayer for a while. Okay, honestly, you should go back. Yeah, to John I was Mayer. just gonna say we should show John some love. Better Instagram, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, what made you decide to pick Tom Holland just because he's Spider Man? I think uh, Spider. Yeah, the new Spider Man movie had just come had out. Just come out, yeah. and like it's just, just so, so excited. Funny. The whole thing of it's like does like the band doesn't even follow you guys. It just yeah, <laughs> only, no, follows, no. <laughs> only follows Tom Holland. It's great too. It's I like, keep it down to business when I'm on that account now. Yeah, right. it's like there's nothing to look at. It's just like I'm I'm either gonna post or answer a message or right. Get bored. If I'm ever trying not to look at Instagram, I just log out of mine. So if I open the app, it's just like, yeah. it's just Tom Holland. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, just Tom Holland posts. Yeah. That's it. We're like, oh, maybe I should be working on something. Yeah. <laughs> well, amazing, guys. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time to do this. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, it. appreciate you guys coming here. And uh, all the best with everything, man. It's awesome Thanks. seeing you guys have the success you're having. And yeah, keep it Cheers. up. Thank you. Thank cool. you very much. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.